0: of heights to the depths
1: of the sea. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice, God doesn't love the systems of the world, but He loves the inhabitants of the world. We don't, we're not supposed to love the world in the sense of its systems and the things that it's about, but the people in the world. That's who God is talking about.
0: Every creature is unique in the Glame like- Welcome everyone, you're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. John 3.16 has long been celebrated as a powerful declaration of the gospel. Of the 31,000 plus verses in the Bible, it may be the most popular single verse used in evangelism. God didn't wait for the world to turn to him before he loved the world. He loved and gave his only begotten son to the world when it was still the world. As Pastor Rob tells us, God does not love the systems of the world, but the people of the world. Yes, that means you. He gave his only son for you. This is a gift from God. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes this portion of the Gospel of John.
1: But he's giving the ultimate understanding of it, because the Jews and us, we we tend to think things just in in the physical. Well, if I don't murder somebody, then I'm good. And Jesus goes, and he goes, oh no, it's much more than the external. It's what's going on inside, and he proves it. He says, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother, that's what's on the inside, without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. So now he's not talking about the physical act of murder, it's what's inside. What did he say in verse 27 of that verse, of that chapter? You've heard that it was said to those of old, you should not commit adultery. Oh, that's, you know, many of us in this room have not committed adultery, physically, hopefully none of us. But if we did, Jesus is speaking now internally to something that they didn't even consider. And yet people can walk around, oh, I haven't, I haven't done that. I've always been true to my wife. Oops. <laughs> You're driving along with your wife in your car and there's a young lady on a bike, 20-something, jogging. What do you do, guys? Where are your eyes? Right? He says, you've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Ouch! Right? Right? Something internal. Furthermore, it's been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a, a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And it goes on and on. And he's comparing the physical to the spiritual. It was always about the internal because if you can conquer what's in here, like James said, if you can conquer this little tongue, that man's religion is something. But if a man says he Is walking with the Lord, but he can't bridle his tongue. He can't bridle the rest of his body either. It's always internal. It's always internal, and that's what being born again, that's why it's so significant. And we are to work out what God has already done within. If you are not born again of the Spirit of God, there is nothing within you that can be worked out that's of any worth. Do you understand that? There, that's why the Bible says there's none good, right? We are to be light bearers. But if the light, the spirit of God, is not within us, within me, then all I am projecting, all that you are projecting, is darkness, self, and the flesh. Isn't that wonderful? that's all I'm projecting. If the Spirit of God is not in me, that's what I'm projecting. Self, the flesh, and darkness. In Philippians 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Notice what Paul says, work out your own salvation. No, that doesn't mean that you have to work to gain it. No, you get salvation by faith in Christ, you, you get that salvation as a free gift based on Jesus's, but now that it's in there, work it out. Allow it to work out. Work it out. Notice because it tells us in the very next verse, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's who causes it to happen. He, first he makes me to will to do it and then he gives me the grace to do it. He has to conquer the old man first, right? That's why it says he works in you both to will first. There's an order here. The will has to be challenged. The will has to be subdued. And then we can do of his good pleasure. But the will, what a nasty rascal that is. I need, my will needs to be broken. Your will needs to be broken. Isn't that what they do when they break a horse? When you find a stray horse out in the desert... Can you just put a saddle on that horse? Any of you who are horse lovers know that that would be a death sentence. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, you're going to get beat. <laughs> you're going to get beat up. That horse is going to kick you off and stomp on you. No, it has to be broken. I need to be broken. You need to be broken. And right, many, right now, many of you are working in your gardens because spring is here. And you're planting flowers and seeds and when you plant that seed in the ground, there are many different types of seeds you can put, have a bunch of different seeds. You don't know what they are. I mean, in, in the package you do, but if you mix them up, you don't know. So you plant them and you wait and see what happens. But it's what's inside of that seed that brings it manifests itself and when it grows, you see, oh, it's a beautiful rose or it's a beautiful, you know, tulip, whatever it is. You don't know. But it's what's inside that matters. It's what's inside that manifests itself to show the beauty and the glory. Right? That's what our gardening is about. It's a, it's a lesson for us to think about, the new birth, right? Jesus said in the parable of the wheat and the tares The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And you remember you know what happens? <laughs> The gardener comes and says, should we just tear up all the the tares? He says, no, wait until the end, because if you tear up the tares, you're going to tear up the wheat as well. You know, I am so glad that in churches people come. And some, there are many, I don't know how many there are, only God knows, but there are some that come to church here, and even other churches that really aren't born again. They come for different reasons, and I'm glad that they're coming, because they need to come. Because how are they going to know what the truth is unless they hear it, right? So would to God this whole church was filled with unbelievers, with people who don't know, along with people who do, of course. But it's important, right? It's important. And God is not slack concerning his promise, but he's long-suffering, he's patient toward us, he's not willing that any should perish. So are you growing in Christ's likeness or are you forcibly holding on to your own? I, I I got two choices. I can either hold on to my own life. Didn't Jesus say, uh, uh, if a man loses his life, he he um you know he's he's not going to gain it. if you give your life away to him, you're going to gain it. But if you hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. What a shame it is for someone to spend their whole life doing their own will and then realize in their in their old age, when they finally got their retirement and they're living somewhere where it's warm. I've wasted my life. I didn't do anything for the kingdom of God. And you know what? If that's where you're at right now and you're born again, just confess that and, 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 and let the Lord use you right where you're at. There's no, there's no condemnation. But it's better when you're young to give everything to God. Give everything to Him. There's no greater thing. Give him, no matter what your age, right now. Start today, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what season of life you're in. Start right now and give your heart to Christ completely and say, Lord, what would you have me do? I'm living my life doing my own thing, but I'm not doing anything. I'm just kind of spinning my wheels. What what can I do? What should I do? What would you have me to do? And if you earnestly pray for that, I can promise you he will show you. And step out in faith and try something too. Don't be afraid to step out in faith and try something. He'll never upbraid you for trying something. If you've got an inkling in your heart, step out and try. See what happens. Maybe the best thing you've ever done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice, God doesn't love the systems of the world, but he loves the inhabitants of the world. We don't, we're not supposed to love the world in the sense of its systems and the things that it's about, but the people in the world, that's who God is talking about. Even in 1 John, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. Because all the world is is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? And that's what it is. But he says... God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Notice that God the Father gave this gift of his son. Jesus is the gift of salvation to fallen man, the just for the unjust, the righteous for the unrighteous. Remember what Jesus said to the woman at the well. We'll see this in a, in a couple of weeks. Jesus said to the woman at the well, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who says to you, give me to drink, you would ask him and he would give you some, some living water. He is the gift. For God so loved the world, the people in the world, everyone in the world, regardless, he so loved the world that he gave as a gift. Notice it's not something you earn. A gift is something that's given, not something you've earned. God gave Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, that whosoever, anybody believes in him, would not perish eternally, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. That is the key to it all. John 3.16 is no doubt the most popular verse in the Bible. Even unbelievers can quote this verse, but they don't know it. Because within this short verse is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave. Why did he give him? Why did he give his only begotten son? Well, because of sin. And what's what's the result of him giving his son on the cross and dying for us? It's eternal life. It's all there in germ form, isn't it? And I just want to show something for you, something to you that's kind of fun that I found out that this is kind of interesting. In the um, in, in the English Bible, the King James, the New King James, and the New American Standard, it has this verse exactly as it is in here. And I love the fact, and this is just a silly little thing, but and again, it's only in these three translations. But there's twelve words on on each side, and the very center word is "son." It's like it all points to the sun. It's like the arrow's going this way, the arrow's going back. It's pointing to the sun. It's all about Jesus. In fact, didn't Jesus say, in the volume of the book, it is written of me? In the volume of the book, it is written of me. It's all about him. Now, in the Hebrew, it doesn't show up this way. It's got its other wonderful, peculiarities, but, but I, I thought this was just kind of interesting to see. But notice what it says in verse 16. Whoever, whoever, it's the same word in the verse 15. There is no such thing as limited atonement as the Calvinists and the Reformed theologians purport. Whoever means whoever. Salvation is open to every single person, no exceptions. No. exceptions. That's God's grace and love. That's who he is. That's his nature. And for those who hold to these strict forms of Calvinism and even the Reformed theology, you're wrong. You're wrong. You've stumbled over a few verses and you've built and embraced a doctrine that is lopsided and does not take in the whole counsel of God. And do you understand that that's how cults get started? I'm not saying it's a cult to believe in Reformed theology, but I am saying this: that when you take something out of context and you don't understand the whole counsel of God, you can run away and build a whole mountain on this one doctrine, and it can be totally wrong. The Calvinists and the Reformed theologians believe that you know, um, you know that God is uh, all sovereign, and, and He is all sovereign, and He chooses. But he's got an unfair advantage. He lives outside of time. We are stuck in time. So therefore, him being outside of time, we're stuck in time. There's the difference. That's why he can say things in advance that we don't understand. But every person is responsible. Every person is accountable. It's not like God says, here's the gospel to only a few people. Only a few people are saved. No, that is a lie from the pit of hell. It's open to every single human being. And if you read the entire Bible, it does say that. God is sovereign, but man is responsible. Both are true, period. Not one or the other. They're both true. They're both true. In fact, in Isaiah 57, it says, Thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. God inhabits eternity. We don't. He knows what's going to happen, but he doesn't make it happen. With us, he allows us free will and free choice. But again, he's got the unfair advantage. I don't know why they, people don't understand that. The difference is the vantage point. If I'm looking in time, that might be a struggle. But when I think about God looking outside of time, he knows what choice I'm going to make. He doesn't make me choose. He doesn't say, well, you're not chosen, so I'm not going to share. No, he shares with every single person. Every person is accountable before God. Does that make sense? Because he knows. Read Psalm 139. He knows the words that we're going to speak tomorrow. Therefore, he knows all things. He can't learn. He knows what we're going to do, but he doesn't make us do that thing. We are accountable, and we have the decision to make. Does that make sense? I don't know about you, but it's very simple to me. I like being simple because I believe that's the truth, and the entire word of God speaks to that. Whoever believes in him should not perish. And the implication in this last phrase of verse 16 is that if you don't believe in Christ, there is only one other option for you, and that's the second death. We looked at that when we were in Revelation chapter 20. Verses 11 through 15 talks about the second death. That all who have died physically will be resurrected in a body, and they will be sentenced to the lake of fire for eternity. That is the second death. That's what Jesus is speaking about here. He's speaking about a a, a a spiritual thing. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You know, it's an unfortunate thing, but some people have this warped idea of who God is. They think that He's just this angry man in the upstairs. You know, I've even heard that it's such a, an unfortunate thing. You know, he's he's not some angry God in the sky who just can't wait to crush people. There are churches that teach that. You better watch out. God is angry with you. You sinner. I've heard that. I've heard that. Unfortunately, my mother grew up in a in an environment like that where it was so strict. I mean, don't even look cross-eyed. You know, I mean, everything was just like. <gasps> You know, you just had a fear, I mean, they even put sandals on, you know, I mean, it was this kind of legalism and this kind of uh, thing is just not good. It's not good. That's not who God is. He doesn't want to ruin anything. He wants to bless. He wants to bless you. God wants to love and bless you. Yes, he will warn you, but he wants to save your soul. Notice verse 18. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not what? He's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. Why should anybody be condemned? It's because they don't believe in Christ. You have a decision. We have a decision to make. I can either reject him or I can re- receive him. And notice that it is by faith in Jesus that's the key, it's not baptism. It's not anything else. It is faith in Christ alone. Plus, nothing. (laughs) There's nothing else. It's faith in him alone. And there are plenty of scriptures concerning that. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. And this is why people go to hell, because they love their sin much more than they love Jesus. And they won't give up. They made a determination, I'm not going to give it up. And God will let you. He will let you hang on to your sin, if that's what you want. He's not going to force you. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deed should be exposed. And before we were born again, our lives were all about practicing evil, wasn't it? I thought I had original sin. I thought I, had, I had, had it down like I mastered sin. I think we all feel that way. But happy is the man or the woman who walks in the light and has no shame. Because sin has a way of making us feel shame and making us afraid. You know, in Florida, Chris and Margo, when you go to Florida, you're going to encounter a creature that I know about, and it's called the palmetto bug. They're in every single house. And God help you if at midnight or 1 o'clock in the morning you go out to the, the, the refrigerator to get something to drink because you're thirsty and you turn on the light, you may be surprised. There may be one of these little critters on your countertop. Palmetto, they're about that long. Thank God they don't have teeth, but they're that long. they got wings and they look horrifying. But when you turn on the light, they scamper away. And it's just like us you know in our sin god turns on the light and just like those palmetto bugs you know they go away we're like those palmetto bugs but notice but he who does the truth there's something about the truth that it's not just something i learn in my head it's something that i've got i've got to do something with that truth i've got to do something with it but he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in god the truth needs to be expressed and the things that we do and think. We have to act upon it. We have to act upon it. What did James say? Let me, let me find it here. Someone will say you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You can say you have faith, but where, how do you qualify that statement if I'm living in rebellion? But if I say I have faith in God, it ought to change me. There ought to be something I'm doing with that faith. I don't, I don't do something to be right with God, but when he's in me, then I do something as a result of what he has already done. Do you understand the difference? I don't do it to earn his favor. I do it because I already have the favor of God, because I'm already saved and born again. I do those things as a result of that. It It comes out of my life. That's the way it should be. He says... Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Works can't save you. Your faith saves you. But if you're truly walking in faith, the truth, it will change your life. It ought to change your life. It ought to change the way I do things. Right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through him, he says. So are you born again? (laughs) This is it. We're going to pray. I know I've taken you a little longer, and I apologize. But if there's anyone here today that has not made that decision, and whether you're online or, or here in person, come up afterwards Receive Christ. Pray with somebody next to you. Receive Christ. You've got everything, and I mean everything, to gain. You've got nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. There's nothing that's so important that you're doing right now that you're going to lose that's of any value if you give your heart to Christ. You will only gain every, everything in, in heaps and bounds. It's so wonderful. Give your heart to Christ today. And if you already have, then recommit your heart to him. Recommit it. Let's stand and let's pray. Hmm. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning again. And and Lord, I just pray that this message of the new birth, Lord, we've been in it for three weeks. Lord, may it really take root into our heart for those who are here present, for those who are online God, we ask that you would convict every heart. Lord, concerning the need, the necessity of the new birth. Lord, that we'll spend eternity with you. So, Father, we just we, we surrender today, and we give you our hearts afresh. And we love you, and we thank you for your great love for us. And we praise you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 God bless you.